Warning, the episode you are about to listen to most likely contains graphic language, details of violence and murder, and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What is up, everybody? Hey, guys. Welcome to episode 27 of Murder With My Mother, the true crime podcast where I talk murder with my mother. And as always, she is beside me. Hi, mother. Hello, daughter. Fucker. No, just kidding. (laughs) October is flying by. Yeah, well, good thing for you since you're pregnant. Fuck yeah, my mat leave starts in 42 days. I'm not counting or anything, but... You better start turning out some more episodes if that's the case. I know, right? Ooh, I haven't even thought about that. I'm like... Yeah, I was talking to Carlos today, like, we're going to record blah, blah, after the baby's born, and da, 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 da. And he's like, are you sure you're going to have energy to record after the baby's born? And I'm like, I'm, I'll Yeah, be I'll be full of piss and vinegar. Yeah, I'll be fine. Breast milk and fucking shit all over me, probably. It'll be awesome. Delirious. Yeah, well, I get, when I get overtired, I get hyper anyway, so, or whiny. So I don't know if anyone wants to hear me just be like, I don't want to do that. I'll take over. There you go. Just be murdered by myself. Yeah. <laughs> Murder with my absent daughter. (laughs) So, like I said, October's flying. Um, When this comes out, it will be the 21st of October. Ten days till Halloween, the 21st of October. Ooh, I guess we're going to maybe have to do a Halloween episode in honor of Halloween. Yeah. (laughs) That'll be my turn to pick. Yeah, well, you better pick a good one. No pressure. Michael Myers. I don't know, you might have to do like a real life case, but whatever. What do I know? So, uh, the cases that we've been following, you know, uh, Naomi Onatera, Trina Hunt, nothing new on the front there. So Still, which is pretty crazy. We haven't heard anything at all. It is, and like we discussed last time, I mean, there's obviously the Gabby Petito case that's been super publicized, and it's everywhere. And It's like it, pretty much already solved, or it is solved. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. But they could just find the perpetrator. Which is fucking crazy because even Dog the Bounty Hunter can't find him and he hurt his ankle, so, so he's, he's off, off the, the case. case. Oh, fucking dog. I still believe in him, though. Yeah. But, I mean, it's crazy, obviously, the times we live in because you get it day by day. We get, like, an update unless you live in the lower mainland and then they just are tight-lipped about everything and don't say anything to you about anything so they're flying under the radar yeah but i mean if you look at the common denominator in all those cases i mean obviously we don't know anything concrete but the common theme of that is all domestic abuse right so you're married in trina's case or in naomi's case and obviously the husband is the first suspect and probably the perpetrator and in both cases, too, the husband didn't even come forward, didn't say anything to anyone, did not participate in searching, did not talk to the media. Like, way like, to make your, yourself look really fucking like, suspicious. Like, wouldn't you at least say, like, like throw oh. on a true crime show? Like, I know that Naomi's husband was like, oh, she's just mad about the baby, so I left and... Like, he was just, like, fucking victim-blaming her. But at least he said something. Ian, or Ian, fuck, I'll never get that guy's name. I hate that name. He just didn't even look for her at all. Well, neither did Naomi's husband. I know, but you you see, it's... Neither one of them, well, I think Ian at least called the cops. I don't even know, did he? 
but he did well like five seconds remember the day we heard about that case i'm like the husband did it he called like five seconds without within the time yeah that he right got after home. he got home from work i yeah. haven't seen my wife all day so this morning at six o'clock when she's gonna go for a jog i'm like okay that's too very and i turned off the alarm because i didn't want to wake her up yeah but no one's heard from her since thursday yeah Ugh. so anyway i mean if one of those things or if one of these cases obviously breaks and it's not the husband <laughs> i mean okay you will get a murder with my mother apology we highly doubt that's gonna happen um we got gut feelings yo yeah and our gut feelings stem on i know mine it's like 30 fucking years of background info on true crime and every time the husband's like oh i didn't do it or oh i haven't seen her or anything it's like okay yeah <laughs> you're lying well, and they say that the perpetrators are generally the closest people to the victim and who could be closer to you but your spouse. Yeah, exactly. And it's very, very rare that a random just comes along and starts killing people. And that's when you get into usually like serial killers. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even when children go missing, generally it's someone close to them that has been abusing them or grooming them. Yeah, or Terrible. it's sexually motivated yeah. where if a child is kidnapped, they usually say that there's 24 hours before that child is suspected to be dead if they're kidnapped from a stranger. Yeah. Right? So obviously now we have things like Amber Alerts and all that, but who's going to alert you when the only other person you live with is your partner? Well, and generally domestic violence, the motivator is sexual, but it's not because you're sexually attracted to your wife anymore. Generally, it's a cheating yeah. vibe. Yeah, or money. You know, it's yeah. the, the top three. Sex, money, jealousy, right? Rage. Yeah. So today's case, actually, stemming into that, is a case that actually happened in California, but it ties into a couple different locations. So the perpetrator of this case is someone that's actually from Canada. So he, as you guys will hear, had a little bit of a background. So red flags. Red flags are obviously something that you should be watching for. Like we call them on Murder With My Mother, neon orange flags, like neon flags. So, I mean, it's trusting your gut because a lot of the time it's not this person's first time doing that. It's not the first time that something happens where they usually, where they snap and just something happens. There's usually small little things leading up to it. Well, and I think one thing as women, like we're taught to romanticize love and relationships and all this stuff. And I know myself, we go against our gut a lot of the time and my gut has been bang on a hundred percent every single time. And it's only at this age, 35, that I'm learning <laughs> to listen to those red flags. She had me when she was six. Yeah. Well, that's a red flag right there. <laughs> <laughs> so and that's a thing too right I mean obviously with age and sometimes not sometimes women just they're trying to see the best in people and men too right I mean it doesn't have to be a one-sided street it can be men being abused by their partners as well but no it does happen and it happens both ways and I mean obviously it's more common because most of the time women are a little smaller a little easier to men that target women target specific kinds of women that they know that they can manipulate and work you know and there's a pattern like i could show you the pattern of my ex-husband 
where at the time I didn't realize it. No, because you're in the pattern. Yeah, yeah. I was like part of the pattern. But after I left and the pattern had happened to me, I could see him picking out the same types of people each time. Single moms with kids that would be like amazed by what he portrayed that he had and the fact that he portrayed himself to be a caring, parenting, loving person when he was really just a passive aggressive manipulator. Well, and that's what they do, right? They specialize in manipulating the way that you see them based on the information that they're offering to you. So, you know, say they hit you and it was when you guys got in a fight. It's that that's that way of spinning it to be like, I'm so sorry, but you know, you did this and and I'll never do that again and I just don't know what came over me and it's like okay this fucking has come over you probably for your whole life but that specific person wasn't there to witness it every time yeah and then they will turn their next partner against you by saying a bunch of stuff but if you look at the partner like three partners down Mm -hmm. they're still spinning the exact same story the exact same tale to mask their own behavior and remember the, the, the partner after you of your ex-husband called you or text you years later apologizing because yeah. they didn't, they didn't take what you, I mean, not like you gave them a big warning or anything, but you, the way that he made you look or portrayed you. Yeah, she was the next me. Yeah, exactly. So. And just a PSA, he never beat me. No, or hit no. Me, but he was But that's not the only man. kind of abuse, no, right? There's emotional not. abuse. There's physical abuse. There's Financial abuse. abuse. Oh, all that. Yeah. And that was... You know, it's something that they can have control. At the end of the day, that's what it's about. Control. Control, Right? So with that, we will jump right into episode 27. And we hope you guys enjoy listening. I always feel weird saying that because it's like, oh, you know. I mean, you know. You know. Anyway, hope you guys enjoy. Bye. (laughs) But not bye. Stay there. It was August 15th in Buena Park, California a city which is located in the northwestern part of Orange County. I love that show, OC. Me too. When a gruesome discovery was made, in a suitcase, in a trash bin outside of an apartment complex, the deceased naked body of a woman was found. Her fingers and teeth had been removed, and she had what appeared to be a broken nose, and she was strangled to death. See, every time I see a fucking suitcase, anytime I see anything like that, I automatically assume... Or a garbage bag on the road, same. Or a cooler. Yeah. But I I don't think I would fit into a suitcase. It was only days later that the authorities used the serial numbers that were located in the woman's breast implants to identify her. Her name was Jasmine Fiore, and she was 28 years old. And it was obvious that whoever had killed Jasmine was trying to conceal her identity by mutilating her body and her identifying features that could be used to identify her quickly. Long enough to get a head start and try to escape the authorities. See, this guy watched some forensic shit. Like, yeah. this wasn't, he wasn't just like, oh, God, you know. Except for he shit the bed on the breast implant. For sure. But again, why would, he, you know, in a panic, probably wouldn't think that. Well, Teeth. I wouldn't even think it before this case, really. No, like, me Now, neither. like, when you say it, yeah. Me, and I remember when I heard about this, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, that's so smart that they use her breast implants. Yeah. Because any, not even just implants. If you have a let's say, some kind of other medical implant, like a, I don't know. Yeah, like a heart valve, yeah. even. Like, everything is manufactured with a number on it so that they can mm-hmm. trace if it's faulty or where it came from. Yeah. So that they can track it down. So, in this case, good thing. So, as soon as the news broke, those that were close 
to Jasmine, they knew that there was only one person that could be responsible for her death. Her short-lived on-and-off-again husband, Ryan Jenkins, who she hadn't been with for very long, and he was nowhere to be found. Jasmine was born Jasmine Lepore in 1981 to her mother, Lisa Lepore, and her father, who we don't really have any info on. They divorced when Jasmine was eight years old, and Jasmine was raised predominantly by her mother in Bonnie Doon, California. Sounds like a fun place to live, Bonnie Doon. Yeah, I think it was a pretty small community. So anyone that knew Jasmine said she loved sports and was very outgoing. She was always said to have a big smile on her face. As a teenager, she worked in a grocery store, but she always knew she wanted to be successful and that life had more to offer her than Bonnie Doon. Yeah. I don't know, though, because it sounds like, like I said, something. <laughs> it does. Sounds like somewhere in Newfoundland, actually. Yeah. So she got more and more beautiful as she grew up, and she used her looks and her personality to get where she wanted to be. Jasmine changed her name from Jasmine Lepore to Jasmine Fiore, and she moved to Las Vegas, which Fiore is very fitting for Las Vegas. It just gives you, like, that, like... Fire! Yeah, it's like that model-esque. And if you see her, she's, she's like, knock Yeah, knockout. smoking. So there, she modeled, and she got paid to let people paint her, which I don't know if that's code for anything, but whatever, no judgment on this show. You guys know that. Um, she was in, like, some shows in Vegas. She worked for some hotlines, like, using her voice, like, on the sex lines. And she even started some commercials for adult phone lines, which, like I said, this girl was, like, the epitome of sexy. Like, she was blonde, big boobies, nice lips, you know, she just, she was a hottie. So... She, because she was so hot, I guess, she was, she dated some pretty wealthy guys and that's, that's Vegas for you, right? I mean, if you're in the Vegas lifestyle, you can meet guys every night. You can meet a different guy if you want to. I wouldn't know anything about that. Me neither. I've never been to Vegas. So. (laughs) And I didn't bring slut clothes. I've never been there like five times in one year. So, whatever. (laughs) So. She had some serious boyfriends and even some fiancés, and I think she was married another time. Yes, she was. But on March 16th, 2009, Jasmine was swept off her feet when she met Ryan Jenkins, a 32-year-old real estate developer from Calgary, Canada, in a Vegas casino. Ryan had just finished competing on the VH1 show, Megan Wants a Millionaire. And obviously, I mean, (laughs) if you're competing on Megan Wants a Millionaire, you're you're supposed to be a millionaire. millionaire. So he sweet-talked Jasmine into marrying him, and not even two days later, it was literally two days later, the pair wed at the infamous Little White Chapel, and Jasmine told her friends and family that she was so happy and that she met her soulmate. They actually had the same birthday. I don't know, because when I was doing the research, I heard that, but I don't think they did. She was on the 18th, and he was on the 8th of February. I was under the impression they were both on the 8th. No, because that's what I thought, too, because I was like, oh, my God, they had the same birthday. So my boyfriend and I, which I hope this isn't a fucking neon flag, but we have (laughs) my birthday's on May 14th, and his birthday's on May 15th. That's just one little tidbit of of our crazy story, but anyway... Her happiness seemed to dwindle almost as fast as it began because Ryan's actually, his real personality came out, as usually that does happen. So I can't imagine dating someone for two days and then marrying them and finding out because I've been with guys for like years and then you're like, oh, fuck, who are you? 
in my experience it's usually three months where the real monster yeah it's like the comfort level like just like pretending to be something they're not and then all of a sudden it's like completely the the act is over yeah because they can't do it anymore literally they bow and they're like and scene here the fuck i am i'm crazy and if anyone dates me that's listening (laughs) oh yeah mom's on the market i'm always the same mom's just fucking through and through and catch her a week before she's gonna bleed no just kidding <laughs> oh, i don't know what you're laughing about <laughs> oh, yeah because it's hereditary and you passed it down to me <laughs> so ryan was really controlling and very jealous and he even hid his abusive past with his previous partners from jasmine probably easy because he was like i said from calgary so really if you move somewhere you could just fucking lie about anything you want but- yeah and he had a lot of history of abusing people yeah so like we said pretty soon into the relationship ryan's true colors started to emerge and although jasmine did keep in contact with many of her past boyfriends as friends which i understand i have friends that are my exes too um but ryan couldn't see why she would want them as friends and continue continuously accused her of being unfaithful with them So Jasmine apparently had the marriage annulled in May of 2009, but there are no records of this. So think about it. They got married in March. That's like exactly the three, like that's not even a three month mark. That's like a two month mark. So she was clearly unhappy with Ryan and his abusive ways and wanted to leave him. Yeah. Uh, He would always sweet talk her into coming back. And like the toxic cycle goes, she would believe him and be hopeful that he would change. Well, especially because you have to think if you marry someone two days after meeting them, you're probably trying to talk yourself into when they start to be fucking psycho. Okay, no, 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 no. Like, maybe she's having a bad day. Maybe, you know, like, obviously because you're the other person. It takes two to fucking agree to get married, you know? Well, and I also think, like, as often happens with these super, super volatile relationships, they had a really strong Oh, it's very, very, very animalistic chemistry. They probably fucked on tables all over the place. They probably fucked everywhere. Yeah, like... And then getting back together. But those are the up. worst relationships because you're that's... fucking like nonstop, <laughs> fucking, 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 like, fighting, fucking, yeah. fighting, fucking. Yeah. yeah. Not like we've ever been in relationships like that. Cause... Never. No. So. <laughs> <laughs> so although he would abuse her, her from fr- her family and friends said that at first she would deny it. Classic. Yeah, because obviously you're making excuses for them, right? But at a pool party in June 2009. So, like, three months after they got married. (laughs) Ryan spotted Jasmine talking and making out with one of her exes. Which, Uh, there's that line because it's like, okay, she already broke up with him, so maybe they were in a fight, you know? Because, I mean, I I, I think the whole thing was probably a bit of a shit show. I think so, too. And maybe she even kind of got a rise out of, like, you know, kind of getting a reaction from him and knowing, like... Yeah. So, so he ended up assaulting her and throwing her in the pool fully clothed. Yeah, in public. So right yeah, in front of everybody. So everyone saw it. So then there was kind of no denying it. So she pressed charges and the two separated. And Ryan got a court date to be in court in December of 2009. But he would not make it to his court appearance. Dun, dun, dun. Hey guys, it's Danica. I know you've heard our commercial of First Sense Dog Dry Shampoo, but now's your chance to get some for yourself and for your furry companion. Use promo code MWMM10 at checkout at www.firstsense.ca for 10% off your first sifter pack. These things are awesome. 
With the sifter pack, you can try all three scents. Restorative Cedarwood, Purifying Peppermint, and my personal favorite, Zen Lavender. That way, you can say goodbye to those stinky car rides home. I promise you and your fur baby are gonna love this product. Now, back to Murder With My Mother. Ryan Alexander Jenkins was born in Victoria, British Columbia on February 8th, 1977 to his parents, which one of his parents' names was Dan Jenkins, but couldn't really find anything on his mom. So he actually grew up in Calgary, Alberta, where his father was a successful architect, and he was really well known around the Calgary area. So Ryan seemed like the world's biggest douchebag after I did all this research, and apparently he kind of attempted to follow in his father's footsteps, but he was always said to use his father's success to kind of like build his own. We all know somebody like that. Yeah, like I think he used to give his story, but it was just his dad's story. Like he would just insert his name instead of Dan's name. Ew. Well, he was said to be pretty cocky and women said that he had like a dangerously charming charisma, which AKA he was a manipulator. Yeah. <laughs> So he had some tumultuous relationships in his younger years, and he actually had a history of jealousy and domestic abuse, surprise, surprise, yep. and aggressiveness. And he was actually charged with assault in 2007 and received 15 months probation. Gotta love Canada, of course, because why actually put them in jail? All they did was beat up their girlfriend. No big deal. So he eventually found his way onto the VH1 reality show, Megan Wants a Millionaire, which was a spinoff from Charm School and Beauty and the Geek, which I didn't watch either one of those. But I guess one of the contestants on that show, you know, they always kind of pick like one that had the most spunk kind of about them. And then they do like, like, I don't watch The Bachelor or anything like that, but they usually correct me if I'm wrong, pick like one of the bachelorettes on The Bachelor to come yeah, up, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. they do, like, the bachelorette with her. Yeah, because people are already, like... Know, know her story. Yeah, they know the person, and people have already kind of bonded to that personality, even though half the time it's fake as shit anyway. Yeah, so this was Megan Hauserman, and so I guess she was, like I said, on Charm School and that other one, Beauty and the Geek. So this one, it was basically millionaires were competing for her to bid for her love. So, So on Megan Wants to Be a Millionaire... Ryan uh, was self-described as a little bit of a Prince Charming and a little bit of a bad boy. Oh, so cringy. <laughs> he wasn't the worst looking man and Megan liked him, but producers said he had tried hard, tried too hard and was not ideal for winning. Ryan was subjected to a background check for this show, but they must not have dug very deep as none of his past indiscretions were found. Again, the cross-border thing probably made it more difficult. Yeah. But, like, really? But not that difficult. You can get any kind of information in Canada. Exactly. Call. Yeah. Call Canada and be like, hello, does this person have... Look, hello, can I talk yeah. to the... Hello, please, can I talk to someone, please? Thank you. Yeah. Sorry to bother you. <laughs> so, after Ryan finished third, he left Mexico, where the show had been filming, and he headed to Las Vegas. And there, as we know, within two days of being there... He met Jasmine Fiore, and they got married within two days of meeting each other. So, after spending time in Vegas, and right after he assaulted Jasmine after their whirlwind toxicity fuck, romance, fight, fuck, fuck fight. fight, yeah, like I said, my relationship seems not as, <laughs> not as well that's passionate good. about that. No, great. I've learned, actually, because there's passion in other ways. You don't want that other passion. Those are red flags. 
Yeah. You know, like well, really the breakup makeup. Breakup that, makeup. Yeah, that's what I mean. That is like definitely like when your heart's broken and then you get back together and you fuck your brains out and then your heart's broken again. Like you always know that next cycle is coming. Yeah. Which I'm glad to be in a relationship that's healthy and normal stable. and stable and not that. <laughs> so yeah, like I said, um, after spending the time in Vegas with Jasmine and having that relationship with her, he was living in, in Vegas with her. They were having a married life of fighting and fucking Ryan went actually went back to Mexico and he was on a spinoff of uh, Megan Wants a Millionaire called I Love Money. And it's funny because uh, meeting someone who was just a contestant on a show, having something to do with being a millionaire. Well, if you're looking for a millionaire, it's like ding, 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 ding. Yeah, <laughs> like Jasmine but, was like, oh, yeah. But most of the fights that they had that were not about jealousy were over money because he didn't actually have any money. No, because his dad had money. And he was like always trying to get her to pay for everything. And that would suck if you're sis, if you're in a city looking to hit it big with a well, guy. Well, and you're hot enough to like oh, scoop up any millionaire. She could you be. Want. She could have been a. She could have been a playboy easily, like a play playboy bunny. Wasn't she? I don't know. I don't uh, think so. But she could have been. Maybe she was. I think she was. Well, fuck. She should have been. Good. Good for her. But like, yeah, you're going for furthering yourself, and you meet this fucking this bomb that swindled you, <laughs> and manipulated you. <laughs> And beats you up. And beats you up and is jealous about fucking even probably talking to, like, the waiter. I had a boyfriend like that once, remember? Yes, I do remember. I remember we went to the keg and there's this butter there, which, okay, it's three cheese. It's fucking delicious. For the bread. It's yeah, free, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And I remember we got seated and, like, I'm pretty friendly to waiters because they're Well, yeah, they're service fucking, industry. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm a nice fucking person. And this guy's name was Richard. And Richard was, like, 50. And the guy that I was with was like... <laughs> oh, I thought your boyfriend was 50. Was no, like, no. fuck? Yeah, I just totally didn't tell you about that one. I took the Greyhound bus by myself at nine, but you <laughs> dated a 50-year-old? No. No, it was the... Waiter's was, name was Richard. was Richard. And so Richard was like, can I get you guys anything? And I'm like, you know, he brought the bread. And I'm like, Richard, can I please get the three cheese butter? And like, he was like, for sure. I'm like, thank you, Richard. You're the best, right? And he walked away. And the fucking guy I was with literally was like, do you fucking know him? I was like, uh, yeah, it's Richard. We just met him together. He's our server. Like, fuck. But anyway, red flags, right? Because yeah. jealousy. And people that are jealous like that, it's because they're insecure. Everything stems from insecurity. They're psychotic. Yeah. And from Guatemala. So. <laughs> anyway, after he came back from Mexico, he actually won some money. Yeah, he won that show. Yeah, and he swindled Jasmine into coming back to him, which probably was a little bit easier now that he actually had some fucking money to throw around. Well, there was a letter found um, of him, like, professing how much mm -hmm. he loved her and please come back to me and I promise this will never happen again. And Yeah. She seems like she was definitely like a romanticizer. For of course. Sure. And what woman isn't when you put up with all that already? You know, obviously, I'm not. No, I'm not either. But don't even try me. No. So the couple registered after they got back together, they registered for a charity poker game in Del Mar, San Diego, and they checked into the La Verge Hotel on the evening of August 13th, 2009. A source that was with the couple shortly before Fiore died told ABC News about the couple's blowout fight in front of everyone in San Diego overnight, August 13th and 14th, the last night she was seen alive. 
Jasmine was playing poker with a big group of friends at the Hilton Hotel, the source said. She was being very rude and kept putting Ryan down. It was really awkward. And, you know, maybe she was just drunk and saying stuff that she thought was funny, but he was not laughing, you know? Because that happens. I mean, you well, know. Not to me, but... <laughs> me neither. So she has a cutting sense of humor. And Obviously, he was getting yeah. really angry, and it totally set the tone for the rest of the evening. Oh, okay. So surveillance video captured Fiore and Jenkins leaving the hotel, the Hilton Hotel at about 2.30 in the morning on the morning of August 14th. So the couple were later seen at the Ivy Hotel, which is a nightclub in downtown San Diego. And around 4.30 a.m., so that's what, like a two-hour window, Ryan returned to the Loberge Hotel by himself. And Jasmine was never seen alive again. So at 9 in the morning, he got up and he checked out of the hotel. And as we know, Jasmine's body was found on the 15th and not identified until days later, giving Ryan, who was the most likely suspect in Jasmine's death, days to get ahead of the investigators. He also reported her missing, um, saying that she went to run errands and dropped him off yeah, and they at never their house back. in San Diego, um, most likely trying to defer blame to someone else. At around 9 a.m. on August 16th, the day after he reported Jasmine missing, and he spent some time packing, so he was home packing. He was seen leaving their penthouse, and police said that he then left Los Angeles and went to Nevada to pick up his speedboat. So, red flag? On Monday, August 17th, when contacted by police, Jenkins said he was in Utah and was headed to Canada to resolve some immigration issues because it's also a rumor that was going around after this happened that he really wanted to get married to someone because he wanted to stay in the States. Yeah, yeah. And I think he, at the end of August, was supposed to be out of the States. Yeah. So on August 18th, when Jasmine's body was identified and the murder was first reported in the media, that afternoon... Uh, Brian called his dad, and he was in Birch Bay, which is right below us in the States. It's, like, it's, right here. Like, I could drive to Birch Bay faster than I could drive to Vancouver. In 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, obviously, if you put two and two together, you would think he's probably coming to Canada on the lamb. Is that what you say? Yeah, on, on the, the lamb. On the lamb, yeah. Who informed... <laughs> anyway, he called his dad and said, my wife was murdered. And the Whatcom County Sheriff's Department received witness reports of uh, Brian's black BMW SUV towing a boat towards the Canadian border. So police later found the BMW SUV and an empty boat trailer at the marina in Blaine, Washington, and the engine was still warm. So they were like right behind the motherfucker. Yeah. So obviously at this time he was a prime suspect Then he they were trying to catch him but he was one step ahead of him, of them don't you remember this oh i remember like it was fucking yesterday yeah. that's why i was like so into doing this case because i was like oh my god like just right down to the, even the breast implants because i remember she was found and it was like oh my god such a grisly discovery and no how old were you at this time i was 17 yeah 17 okay because yeah i'll get back to that in a minute all right all right train of thought train of thought yeah so at the time, Jenkins was only a person of interest in the investigation, and he hadn't been charged with anything. But Canadian authorities had been alerted to watch for him, obviously, because, you know, you can only... Well, there's only one. There, exactly. So... <laughs> one suspect, really. Yeah. So... Acting act sketchy as fuck. Yeah, because you're not just going to be like, anyway, my girl, my wife's missing, I'm just going to head up to I gotta go, my immigration results. shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, that's not what happens. So, anyway... 
what they're thinking is Ryan used his speedboat, drove into Canada which, from there. Yeah, which uh, it would be easy to cross at Point Roberts. Super. You just fucking pull up to White Rock and be like, hey, yeah, I'm in White Rock. I'm Canadian. Hey, don't you well, know? Well, even like I just learned when I just had a boat that crossing over, I mean, that's your duty <laughs> to report. Well, yeah, it's your duty to report in. Mm -hmm. But a lot, a lot of people, people don't. don't. And then if you're not stopped by the Border Patrol, then whoever knows. So apparently his stepmother lived in Point Roberts. Point Roberts. Yeah. So they pretty much, police announced that they believed Ryan crossed over the border and didn't check in like his duty was or whatever he said. Yeah. Um, between August 19th and August 20th, 2009. So on August 20th is when he was actually charged with Fiore's murder and an arrest warrant was issued. So that morning he called his father and said that he was detained at the airport, but his father had to hang up the call. And, oh yeah, there was a, a portion of blood found in the car. Oh, so this is what happens. So, although it was clear that Jasmine was murdered, there was no crime scene other than the suitcase before this time. Because obviously it's not like she was murdered right outside the apartment building in that suitcase. And yeah. then just like left there right so on august 20th is when her white mercedes was found in a parking lot beside a grocery store in west hollywood and there was a significant portion of blood and it would appear a violent struggle did occur there was like hair and yeah blood so everywhere fought. yeah and it was hair like from her head and from his head too clumps yeah so the blood was found on her passenger seat her back seat and her re rear windshield Ugh. and there was evidence of pretty much someone tried to clean it up. They said that the blood loss appears to be more significant in the back seat area, so it would appear that the injuries that we had original, originally seen Miss Fiore sustain are consistent with the blood loss that would have been in that vehicle. So they, at the end of it, they said this is where she was killed, basically. I don't think it was where she was dismembered, but it could have been, because there was also on the undercarriage of the car, there was a lot of, like, Pretty much, okay, you don't take a Mercedes off-roading <laughs> all no. the time. So it was pretty much there bushes was bushes and, and just different kind of things that would have been under a car. So they assumed what they think happened is he did dismember her in the car, but he took her somewhere far away, like into the desert to do it. Another thing, too, is after you're already deceased, you don't bleed. No, exactly. So... Obviously, he made her bleed before she died. Yeah, well, he, she had a broken nose. Yeah. And, I mean, he did strangle her, so there wouldn't be much blood with a strangulation. But if you broke someone's nose, noses yeah. bleed like a motherfucker. Ask my son, because he has a nosebleed every five minutes. So. So, at about 6 p.m. on the evening of August 20th, Jenkins arrived in a silver PT cruiser. I hate PT cruisers. With a young blonde woman at the Thunderbird Motel in Hope, British Columbia, Canada. Remember when you used to drive there every time I would... This is what... This is my train of thought. So, Danica was a super, super bad teenager that I totally deserved what? because I was a bad teenager as well. Payback's a bitch. And every time I'd be, like, at my wit's end with Danica, I would drive to this little small town called Hope. Because <laughs> I was, like, all fresh out of fucking Hope. And it's Why about, did I have this yeah, child? Yeah, it's like about an hour away from where we live. So, ironically, 
Ryan Jenkins also went to Hope and checked into a shitty, it's a motel, actually, I think. It's funny, because when I was Googling, when I was Googling the Thunderbird Motel, you'd think that this would be the most crazy thing that happened there, and it definitely was not. There's some murders, there's yeah. There's a little bit of everything that's happened at the Thunderbird Motel, so... My brother last year asked me, do you know anywhere to stay in Hope? And I said, yeah, the Thunderbird Motel, and then he's like... Why there? And I, I'm like, Google it. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> anyway, so. he was coming from Calgary also. Yeah. So. so the car had Alberta license plates and they pulled up beside a dumpster rather than pulling up beside the rooms, which the motel manager claimed to have found strange. Hmm. Jenkins stayed in the car while a young woman paid cash for three nights accommodation. The manager described the woman as attractive, about 25 to 30, very calm making some small talk when registering. And the guest in the room next door said the woman only stayed for about 20 minutes with Jenkins in room two and then left the motel. And she was never seen again. The manager saw Jenkins walking outside the motel the next day, August 21st, 2009. And he said that the man in room two, Jenkins, looked exhausted and he was not recognizable from his pictures on television. Well, you've got to think, imagine, because... I'm sure he didn't pre-plan to kill Jasmine, which uh, there's no excuse, obviously. But imagine the events that would take place afterwards. You're probably like, you can't prepare for something like that. So Especially when you're cutting off someone's fingers and taking out their teeth. Like, that's... Not even just a person. It's the person you were married to for ugh, five minutes. But, do you know... It, that's disgusting. It like, that is. makes me want to barf. So that's probably why he looked so fucking weathered, because he had just been think about it this was like not even 10 days later and he was like you know ra running from a different country just did all that horrible fucked up shit obviously went and parked her car went to this place picked up his shit got the fuck out of there took drove a boat. to fucking all the yeah. way yeah so he's obviously gonna look like he's seen some and shit and i think if you did something that fucking heinous to someone they gotta fucking haunt you on the way down oh 100% there. Like, at least the memories of it would haunt you like Well, you crazy. probably have, like, the craziest flashbacks, especially yeah. because, again, I... Obviously, he's a piece of shit, but I don't think that he had ever done that before. Well, he hadn't. No, that's what that I mean. Know of. No, that we know of, but shit comes out the woodwork all the time. But I don't think someone like this... Like, yeah, you're not going to look like this... Because... Uh, okay, I hate to say this, but Ryan Jenkins wasn't the worst-looking man in the world. Yeah, he cut his looks actually kind of remind me of Scott Peterson in a weird way. Which again was a hottie. Was a little bit of a hottie. Super big piece of shit. Psycho, right? But only date ugly guys. Yeah, this is our fucking PSA for episode twenty seven. Only date ugly guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's actually not true because ugly guys could probably also do this to you. But you know, just saying. just something to think about. When you're... Something to consider. Yeah. So uh, at 11.30 a.m. on August 23rd, so usually the checkout time at any CD motel is 11, mm -hmm. uh, the couple had failed to check out. So having noticed very little further activity over the weekend, the motel manager and his nephew decided to check the room. And guess what? There was Ryan Jenkins found dead by suicide, hanging from the clothes rack on the wall by a belt. No suicide note was found in the motel 
a one-page suicide note saved on Jenkins' computer, was last titled Last Will and Testament and dated August 20th, 2009, and was found by the police. So in that, they never released exactly what it said, but there's kind of a rundown. And maybe they did release it, but I know that the base of what it said was how he was so sad about his relationship and how much he loved her and how she made him jealous and how he was so jealous it was pretty much like a blaming he was fucking gaslighting her till the end yeah like he was continuously using excuses and excuses to make her seem like the bad person so and you know what even if she did fuck every guy that she even saw when they were married there's still no excuse to do that to somebody just fucking walk away. Yeah. Walk away from that hot lady. Just yeah, walk right away. from that good vagina, which I'm yeah. sure, you know, just call it quits because, this, so, yeah, you don't want to hang yourself in a freaking motel. Well, and you know what? If you do kill someone, just confess before you kill yourself. Like, well, maybe you're going to die, so just do it. That's yeah. my PSA. So, yeah, there was nothing on his note about... No, nothing. Anything even the do. fact that she was dead. He no, didn't nothing. even mention it. No, it was just how sad he was that she pretty much cheated on him and yeah. how their like relationship could... me. Yeah. Poor me suicide note. So on August 27th, 2009, investigators found a storage unit full of Jenkins's belongings, including a suitcase full of clothes in Washington State. So it's like, did he have that plan? Did he just rent it when he went up there and put all his shit in there because he knew he was well, going to be on the land. he had a lot land. of stuff to do in that little amount of time. But even going back to the fact that he didn't premeditate anything, the fact that he had a tool to take off her fingers and her teeth kind of makes me think that maybe he had thought about it before. But I'm no expert. Well, I mean, you are kind of an expert, but in your own way. Yeah. But I think... And this is just my opinion, so I think passion, rage, alcohol, jealousy, right? Because look at money, exactly. I think that and embarrassment because that night apparently he was berate, she was, you know, kind of saying things to him that some guys just can't take that. And I've I've known guys like that where they just, if you cross that certain line and you get disrespectful, we've had really good pickers. Yeah. Well, we have. My picker maybe was turned off for a couple of years and just... Mine was... I don't even know. Yeah. So in Canada, the authorities said that a silver PT cruiser matching the description of the vehicle seen dropping Jenkins at a motel was parked at his half-sister's condominium in Vancouver. So I was reading in my research that... Okay, because Ryan Jenkins was on the Dirty. So if anyone knows what the Dirty.com is, it is a website. Like probably seventy percent of people I know. People. Well, just and honestly, the thing is, it's a too, bullying website. It is one hundred percent. But apparently, people think that it was his ex girlfriend, not his half sister. Not his half sister. But I mean, who knows? That's that's a mystery that died with the case because they never. Well, and he was never even able. To be tried and all of that stuff because he was dead. So he took the coward's way out. Yeah. And his family, to this day, I know his dad, doesn't believe that he did it. But he has said, like, if my son did do it, it's because Hollywood turned him into someone that him and his family couldn't recognize anymore. Basically saying, like... Well, maybe he did. Maybe he did. Yeah, maybe he did. But if he did... 
then. It wasn't the, the guy I heard he I said, if he did, he's a monster. Yeah, because he is a fucking monster. I'm sorry, but speaking as a parent, like, if my child... I think you kind of know what your children are capable of in the most part, right? So if... Well, I don't think my children could ever do anything wrong. Well, no, but you would know, like, when I would get... You know, when you get calls, like... You know, I don't know what you're talking about. True. Okay, never mind. <laughs> when the police would call me. Yeah, and say, like, Danica did this, Danica did that. You weren't, like... What? You were like, oh, for fuck's sake, Danica. It was like... <laughs> Again? Yeah, it was something... It wasn't, like... Danica would never do that. And there are some there parents are some like parents that. There are some like that. I know uh, one of my friend's parents, or one of my friends who was a Is parent, a parent like, that. like that, right? Yeah. And I mean, that one that you're speaking of, I don't think that child would do anything ever. But No, not that one. Oh, a different one. But yeah, but there's some moms and some dads that are just like fucking, they would rather not, they would live in denial. denial. Yeah. But it's like you, how can you live in denial when you raise that child you know like because now obviously ryan's parents know okay he was on 15 month probation but also ryan's a manipulator so maybe he said oh i didn't do it she pushed me first she did this to me i was just defending myself blah 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 blah. there's a lot of people that pull the wool over everyone's eyes that knows them intimately even like yeah it's crazy but they're manipulators so that's what they're good at i guess liars yeah so yeah that was the case of the, the murder, murder of, of Jasmine, Jasmine Fiore, which has she has such a Vegas last name, makes me just want to go to it was Vegas. Was a good pick. Was Vegas has actually come up in my life a couple times today, yeah. so maybe hey. it's a sign. Pack our slut clothes. I don't think I have anything that fits me right now, but I mean a bathing suit. I could oh, get like a, a see-through one. <laughs> my areolas are your slut clothes. <laughs> a little your, too big for my slut, slut clothes. clothes in your eight and a half month pregnant body. <laughs> Whoa, 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 I'm only seven in a, in a bit. Oh, Come on God, now. I thought we were almost ready. No. But, I mean, in all seriousness, I wanted to kind of touch on it uh, at the end of the episode. Just like we said in the beginning, everything we've covered in this episode, including the stories that we've been keeping up with and following um, in the last couple episodes, they all have something to do with domestic abuse. So, in Canada, on average, a woman is killed every other day by an abuser. And once a week, a woman is murdered by her partner in Canada. That's crazy. There's only like, what, 30 million people in Canada? Where everyone's sorry all the time. Yeah. So if that's happening in Canada, then think about, like, there's over 30 million people, I think, in California alone. That's crazy. So one in three women will experience some form of violence and sexual violence over the course of their lives. And I actually think that number is a lot higher. So do I, because a lot of the time women do not come forward. Yeah. Whether it be shame, embarrassment. Or the fact that the justice system, I mean, unless you have basically video of yourself getting raped and semen samples and your fucking body's cut up and everything else, even then, to go to court over that kind of stuff? Yeah, well, it's re-victimizing you, right? Because a lot of the time, people don't believe... People will believe what they want to believe. And given how women's rights have gone over the last even 50 years, 20 years, 10 years, obviously we're, we're making, we're making way for new, better laws to come through because women are being taken more seriously and sexual assaults and sexual abuse and any kind of domestic abuse, any kind of any abuse, like they're being taken more serious and they're being, also 
like people that are found guilty of crimes like that are being charged. I mean, maybe not in Canada because we know how that goes, but they're being charged more aggressively, which... Have you ever um, seen on Instagram the page, I don't know if I tagged you on it, but it's called Survivor Stories Project? No. And it's crazy. So just a quick premise, if you want to look it up, um, it is women and it stems mostly from Victoria, but people will write into the, the ladies that run the Survivor Stories and they'll talk about their abusers, whether it be maybe a boss they worked for in a restaurant or someone they know has a certain MO. And you would be amazed. So they'll publish all of this Mm -hmm. and they publish the person's name. And you'd be amazed at how many people say the same things about the same people. Because once again, it's a pattern. You got an MO. And it's, it's crazy actually. Like we all know that this stuff happens and we all know that people have MOs and women are victimized. I'm pretty sure a lot more than one in three women. hundred percent. And even look at the, we live in the time of meet the me too movement. Yeah. Right. So even like someone like what's people his name, Harvey Weinstein yeah. and you think about it. Okay. He wouldn't do the same thing. He would invite all these aspiring actresses. He had a victim type. He'd bring them and creepily show him his penis through his house coat. And it's like, Holy fuck. You know, like... And then threaten to ruin them in Hollywood. And some of them he even did. Exactly. Or, I mean, there's so many... Bill Cosby. Like, you know, there's so many people that have come out. But Bill Cosby just got fucking off. But that's the thing. But that's what we're talking about. Like, people speak up. Donald Trump was the fucking president. And he has so many sexual assault, like... Allegations? Allegations yeah. against him? I mean, he has been caught on hidden tapes. He said, saying, grab, grab him by, by the, the pussy. pussy. Like, you don't grab anyone by the pussy unless you're invited. Yeah. You are not invited to touch anyone's pussy, Donald Trump. Even your wife looks like she doesn't want you to touch her pussy. No. Anyway, if you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, you can call the 12 toll-free number of 1-866-863-0511. So, Yeah. I hope no one is. Or reach out to us. I'll just go fucking fuck him up. I'll go run him over or something. But don't tell anyone. <laughs> but anyway, I'll take that out of the episode. So. So until next time. This has been Murder With My Mother, the true crime podcast where I talk murder with my mother. Bye, everybody. Love you guys.